Sister Brendan, thank you for the message. I'm just amazed at how the Lord puts everything together, and uh, so so good, so gracious in in that. And I, I want you to go to the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter number six. And uh, I'm not going to read through this whole chapter right now, but I would ask you if you're able to stand with me uh, to stand. We'll read just a, a portion uh, here of of this um, of this chapter and. And I, I want to, uh, let's, let's begin here in verse number one. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Our God is holy. And uh, we need to grasp that and see that today. And uh, I want to, to begin dealing with some of the attributes of God. That's what led me to this passage this morning, though I'm going to take a little different focus. I want you to go to verse number eight and, and the result, and we'll come fill in the details. Uh, but we read here Isaiah also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Isaiah volunteered for God's service, and we sure do need some volunteers today for the service of the Lord. Would you join me? Let's go to the Lord this morning in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for this day. You've been so good to us here today already. Lord, it's good to be here in your presence. And Lord, we come humbly before you. Uh, we need you today. And uh, we understand you know every heart and uh, not by accident that any individual is here. Lord, you know the very need of every heart. And I pray this morning that you would take your word and by your spirit you would minister at that point of need. Lord, help me as I preach this morning, to say only that what you want. Would you guide us here today and then help us to respond to you and to your spirit this morning. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated here this morning. And we've seen here the, the commissioning of Isaiah, uh, God's servant, and this statement where Isaiah says, Lord, here am I. He volunteered uh, for the service of God. And and we all know that Isaiah is one of the great prophets of the Bible. Uh, his ministry took place 700 years before the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Mrs. Pace uh, quoted already from Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14, uh, where, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. That was penned 700 years before the, uh, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and then, of course, uh, Isaiah chapter 9. It was Isaiah that told us, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I love Isaiah 53, where Isaiah gives us the details of the suffering servant. And we have such a presentation of the cross in Isaiah chapter 53. And uh, we read, he is despised, and you think about Jesus as I read these verses. He is despised, rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. Uh, he was wounded for our transgressions. Aren't you grateful for that? He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. And, and that's out of the book of Isaiah. Uh, somebody said that the book of Isaiah uh, gives a clear gospel message. And one man referred to it as the gospel of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah 1 verse 18, he, he reads or he speaks, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And that's the commissioning. That's the call here of Isaiah that we read about in Isaiah chapter 6. As you read the life, Isaiah was faithful. What a man of God. Uh, he went to a people that despised him and rejected him. He died a martyr's death. He was sawn asunder, as we read in the book of Hebrews. It means literally he died by being sawn in half. Isaiah chapter 6 is where all of this began. And I want to look at this passage this morning, and, and we'll come down to that statement in verse number 8, where Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Uh, he volunteered. He raised his hand. He said, Lord, uh, I'm yours. Uh, I'll be what you want me to be. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. This was a life of surrender to the Lord. And I believe with all of my heart that today the Lord is looking for laborers. And the harvest is plenteous and uh, the laborers are few. Uh, this local church needs volunteers and workers and van routes and Sunday school classes and on it can go, nursing homes and visitation ministry and, and such a need for laborers today, a need for church planters and our region in America. We have such a need here and we've often spoke, uh, spoken about the Bible Belt and how Shubal Stearns and Sandy Creek Baptist Church, North Carolina, began to plant churches all over. And we have the Bible Belt that came out of that. And we desperately need a new Bible Belt uh, here in the United States. And I can't think of a, a better place that that could happen uh, than here, right here in northern New Mexico. And what a needy, needy areas. But uh, we need volunteers. The Lord is looking for volunteers, a need for missionaries, looking for servants, Willing to go, willing to serve, willing to give, willing to send. But if we're going to be volunteers, there's a vision that all of us must partake of. Four conditions. And until these four conditions are met in our life, we'll not be able to come like Isaiah and say, here, Am I? Send me. There is a vision of holiness. It's a vision of the Lord. I want to give you a word, and, and that would be simply, oh, the wonder of it all. In verse number one, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. See, before we are fitted for service of the Lord, we have to be in a proper position. And that's where Isaiah uh, came, to this position. Notice the, the timing here of this vision. In the year that King Uzziah died. It's the death of Uzziah. We know from history he was a good man. He was a good king. Uh, 
somebody said he was the last great king of Judah. Uh, he ruled 52 years. He brought the Philistines, the Arabians, the Ammonites into subjection during his reign. Uh, the national glory of Israel uh, really died out with the death of Uzziah. It's never been recovered un until this day. Uh, some of you, right now, you're facing some difficult times, some heartbreaks and some heartaches and uh, really some just tragedies in your own life. And uh, I've seen that in, in the lives of many. And we've been praying, Lord, uh, purge us and mold us and make us into what? you want us to be. And so for Isaiah, with the death of Uzziah, that's an uncertain time. What would the future hold? Famine, depression, captivity. Kind of reminds me of America. We're seeing the America we once knew dying and the, and the glory leaving and the future is uncertain. And that's the picture that we have with the death of Uzziah. And in that death, it's a time for seeking. When you face difficulties, when you face uncertainties, Isaiah, what did he do? He went to the temple. He went to the house of God. He went to the place of prayer. He knew where to go. And Brother Dave, I'm reminded often in our prayer meetings, you, you pray, oh God, would you draw people back to the house of God? And Isaiah, during this difficult time, where did he go? He went to the temple. He went back to the house of God. He knew who to seek, and that's the need today. We need to seek the face of the Lord. And if ever God's people need to do this, it's today. Now, in the Bible, the temple the pictures Jesus. There's a picture and a type of Jesus. And we can come to Jesus. We can seek him. We can seek his face. We can seek a word from God. And like Isaiah, we need a thus saith the Lord. We need a word that comes from God. And that's the timing of this vision. And notice the details. In verse number one, he says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. The throne. High, lifted up, his train filled the temple. The Lord sitting upon a throne. Now, the book of John, chapter 12, verse 41, interprets this for us. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. And, and we read in the Gospel of John, this is the vision of Jesus Christ. And so Isaiah, as he goes to the temple sees the Lord high, lifted up before the incarnation, before Isaiah 7 verse 14 was fulfilled. Here's the Lord seated upon a throne. And then after the resurrection, we know that the Lord ascended into heaven to be seated on a throne at the right hand of the Father. And in Revelation chapter number 4, John the apostle was ushered to that throne room and the glory in that presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he is high and lifted up. Uzziah died. Earthly kings come and go. Our hope and trust can't be in a king. Can't be in a pastor. Can't be in a missionary. 
Our hope and trust has to be in the Lord. Our confidence cannot be upon men. Men die. Men go. Men fail. Yet Jesus rules and reigns. And he always rules and he always reigns. And there's no need for discouragement. It could have been a discouraging time for Isaiah. Uh, when Uzziah died and the national glory was gone, but no need for being pessimistic. We, we live in a sinful world, and sin brings horrible consequences. But Jesus is alive, and he's still alive, and he's still on his throne. And we need to be reminded that God is in control, and God is on the throne, and God still answers prayer, and God is still saving souls, and he's still in that business of drawing people to a Savior. That's the throne. Notice in verse number two, the angels. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. Seraphim, that that means burning ones. They're always around the throne. In the book of Revelation, when you read about the throne, you read about the angels. And always with the angels, it's an attitude of humility. It's an attitude of worship. See, these angels, the seraphims, the burning ones, they're burning in love and zeal for the Lord. And these angels are proclaiming, as you read about this, the glory of God. And that brings me to that glory. Look in verse number 3. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. You see, the throne is a throne of glory. It's a throne to which we bow, a throne to which we worship. It's a throne before which, before which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. It's a throne of, of government. Every person must be subject to that throne. And as we read in Hebrews chapter 4, it's a throne of grace where we come boldly to that throne of grace in time of need to seek the face of the Lord. And in that throne, the, the angels are at that throne, the angels holy, holy, holy. I believe a reference to the Trinity. It's a reference to him who is and was and is to be. Uh, you see, God is holy. He's set apart. If I could have one word to describe God this morning, I, I would say holy. There, there are many attributes of God. He's uh, omnipresent and omnibenevolent and omniscient and omnipotent. And we could describe God with all of those terms, but we would say this morning God is holy. He's set apart. He's pure. He's perfect. He's righteous. He's sinless. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere present. That's my God. That's my Jesus. In verse 4, And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Everything about this throne pointed to the purity and to the holiness of the Lord. See, this vision of God's holiness is so missing across America. And in our churches, the world today has no concept of his purity, of his holiness. We read in Romans 1, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain. In their imaginations, their foolish heart was darkened. And that foolish heart is darkened when we don't see who the Lord is. 
the world sticks its fist in the face of God and curses a holy God and uh, filthy sinful lives and the depravity uh, that is taking place today. It's the days of Noah. And even in our churches today, we have no concept of God's purity, of God's holiness. And so often we live uh, fleshly and we live selfishly with no concept of God's purpose for us. See, for us to become volunteers, a willing people, we need to be brought face to face with God, with who he is, with his holiness. You study times of great movements of God and revivals and the touch of God, and, and without exception, there was that sense of God in his purity and holiness. Uh, we go back even to the day of Pentecost, and on the day of Pentecost, as Peter preached on that day, they were pricked in their heart. They were moved, and they saw their sin because they saw the holiness of God. And all oh, we need that today. I need that. I need to be brought into his presence. We need that as a church. See, I, I don't want to just play church. I want to come to church to meet God. And when we meet the Lord, we see who he really is. He's holy. We would say, oh, God is a holy God. And that vision of holiness leads us then to woe. It's a vision of sinfulness. Look in verse 5. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Uh, his condition, woe, he said, is me. What Isaiah says, I I'm in trouble. I I'm deserving of God's judgment. He's brought to this position of humility. I appreciated that, uh, that thought in the Sunday school class this morning there. Brother Ho, the, the pride, and that's something that God must deal with, is pride. And uh, here God is dealing with the pride of Isaiah. We can never be fit for service until we are brought to this place of humility. And humility is simply understanding who God is and understanding who I am and never getting the two mixed up. Isaiah says, I'm undone. You've seen the Lord in his holiness. When you see the Lord in his holiness, you realize that you are not worthy of his merit. You're not worthy of his salvation. And I believe much service to God is done in the flesh without the power of God, and it's done in pride, it's done in self-will, instead of humility and coming and giving God the glory and it's uh, sometimes coming to this place that thinking we are something, when in reality we're nothing. It's thinking that we're indispensable to God, and none of us are indispensable to God. You can take a glass of water and, and put your hand in that glass of water, and you pull your hand out of that water, and the hole that you leave is about what it would take to replace you. And God, none of us are indispensable. God is God. He's holy. He's pure. And Isaiah, I believe, became a great prophet because he wasn't confused about his worth. He understood his position. 
and God cannot and will not use a proud heart. God must judge pride. God must deal with pride. That's the condition of Isaiah. This confession. Boy, this gets down to the nitty-gritty. He says in verse 5, Because I'm a man of unclean lips. These lips. These mouths. Wow, we're in a world of hurt, aren't we? It's a reflection of the heart. How many things do we say that when we get down to what we said, we should not have said? See, God warns us in James chapter 3 that out of the mouth it proceedeth both evil and good. It's a poison. And it can do great damage and destruction. Yet our mouths so often talk about people behind their backs, don't we? In the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, Ecclesiastes kind of put it this way, don't take it too harshly when somebody speaks out of you. I'm paraphrasing, speaks that evil to you because you've done the same. You always remember that in, in mind. Uh, how, how a holy God grieves when God's people uh, talk to each other in, in, in a wrong way, a negative way, and his children that he loves, and, and here we are, his children that he bought with his blood, and and here we are, woe is me, Isaiah said, I'm undone. He was deeply convicted. He said, basically, I've said things that I never should have said. I've done so because my heart is vile. What Isaiah said is, Lord, the problem is with me. I, I've seen you, and the problem is with me. Then he says, I, I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. Not only have I spoken, but I've listened. He said, I'm, I'm guilty. And this is his conviction that brings to his confession. And then the latter part in verse number five is comparison. Look at this. He says, mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. He's comparing himself to the Lord. And that's where we need to come. Job 42, Job had been self-righteous as you read through the book of Job. We know all that Job went through and, and what a man of God, but it's evident that there'd been self-righteousness with Job. And, and Job in chapter 42 saw the Lord. And what did Job say? He said, I abhor myself. I abhor myself. Daniel, the same thing. Verse number eight, Daniel 10. Therefore, I was left alone and saw this great vision and there remained no more strength in me. My comeliness was turned to me into corruption and I retained no strength. That was Daniel, this man of God, when he saw the Lord. Now, what happened to Peter when the Lord filled his boat with fish in Luke chapter 5? And he recognized that's the Lord there on the shore. And, and Peter said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, as he saw the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that was Isaiah. There's a vision of holiness. Oh. A vision of sinfulness, whoa. But then there's a vision of forgiveness, low. Look in verse 6. He says in verse 6, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips and thine iniquity, is taken away, and thy sin is purged. 
See, the condition of forgiveness, the confession that was born out of conviction, if we confess our sin, so broken heart, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This was a deep confession from Isaiah, and it was so needed. And if we are to be God's volunteers, if we are to be available to the Lord, there has to be this cleansing. We have to have the vision of his holiness and the vision of our sinfulness, but the vision of his cleansing power, and that's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the cleansing forgiveness of sin. Uh, that live coal, verse number 6, from off the altar, it's a burnt altar in the temple. It's the altar of sacrifice. It's the place where sin was dealt with. It's the picture of the Lord. It's the picture of his sacrifice. It's the picture of Isaiah chapter 53, where all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. At the cross, the blood was shed. At the cross, there is forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We sing nothing but the blood can wash away my sin. I believe that's what happened here with Isaiah. It's that vision of cleansing. I like verse 7. And he laid it upon my mouth, this coal, and said, Lo, this had touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged, forgiven, washed, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. As far as the east is from the west into the depths of the sea under a thick cloud, as later Isaiah said in chapter 43, verse number 25, and chapter 44, and verse number 22. You see, Isaiah could preach it because he had experienced it. He had been forgiven. He was unworthy, but he was forgiven. And he was purged. The depths of sin. There's no end to what Jesus can forgive and change at the foot of the cross. See, it's only this cleansing that can really help us to forgive others. It's Ephesians chapter 4. It's only that cleansing as Isaiah had expressed and experienced that can help us to boldly preach to others. Somebody put it this way, those only who are purged are fit for service. That's pretty good, isn't it? Those only who are purged are fit for service. We need a vision of forgiveness, love. And then we need a vision of usefulness, and this is go. Look in verse number eight. Here's God's call upon Isaiah. He said, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who will go, this is interesting, who will go for, for us? This is God, Elohim. What's he talking about? It's the Trinity. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our own image. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. See, this is the call, and many Christians have never felt the urgency, never felt the call because they've never experienced the cleansing. 
And here is what the Bible teaches. God will not use a dirty vessel. He'll not use a proud vessel. He'll not use a vessel until that vessel sees sin as it is and then is washed and cleansed of that sin. And it's so easy. We see sin in everybody else, but until the Lord has pointed the sin in our lives, until we've seen the sin in me, until I've seen that and been cleansed of that, I'm not ready for service to the Lord. See, as long as I'm like the elder son, here's the prodigal. He repented. He came back to his father. And in that repentance, he humbled himself before the father. He said, I will be as one of thy hired servants. And here the father then kills the fatted calf and restores that son. And all that son had lost so much out in riotous living, but he was restored the forgiveness of the Lord. But there was that elder brother who I don't think understood the depths of his own sin. And he needed the same cleansing. And so God uses a vessel that has been cleansed and purified. And that's what he spoke to Isaiah. Here's Isaiah's consent, this willing servant in verse number eight. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. I volunteer. Who will go teach a Sunday school class? Who will go or plant churches over northern New Mexico? Who will go to Peru? Who will go? Isaiah, Lord, I'm yours. I volunteer. And the Lord warns Isaiah the difficulty. He said, Isaiah, it's not going to be easy. You've got to be willing to serve and to go and to send and to give even if you don't have success. See, your job is not to produce the fruit. Your job is to be obedient to me, and I'm the fruit producer. Abide in me, and I am you. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. Our job is to obey. It's to preach, and it's God that gives the increase. That's the difficulty. There's the description. Look in verse number 9. He said, go. Tell this people, hear you indeed, but understand not. See you indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat. Make their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, convert and be healed. And see, God knew the response, and the truth reveals the false, and God knew what the truth would do, and the rejection would come because the light revealed the darkness, and they would often reject the heart, and hearts that will not be humbled will harden in pride, and the Lord could look ahead and understand that. And uh, God's word will divide. God tells Isaiah that many would reject the message. And he was responsible simply to give the message. And many would be hardened. And that's what happened. Isaiah was martyred and killed. But you're going. Isaiah is going to leave them without excuse. And when they reject, judgment comes. In verse number 11, then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until thou cr- the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses without man. The land be utterly desolate and the Lord have removed men far away. And there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. And see, not many centuries after Isaiah, there came the prophet Jeremiah. And then there came the judgment with Babylon. And there came Nebuchadnezzar. And the Lord could see all of that in advance and warned Isaiah what would happen. But I love verse number 13, there would be the remnant. He says, but yet in it shall be a tent, and it shall return. 
Isaiah's not going to be in vain. God never leaves himself without a witness. And he will raise up that witness. There's the Daniels and the Shadrachs and Meshachs and Abednegos and the Esthers and the Josephs and the faithful that do the work of God, that faithful group, that light in the midst of the darkness. Now the Lord is still looking. He's still looking. He's still feeling. Looking for some volunteers. Looking for some people. This whole world is coming to an end. And looking for some people that would be willing to give up themselves to be what Jesus wants them to be. Are you willing? A vision of holiness. Oh, the wonder of it all. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. A vision of sinfulness. Woe is me. When I see the holiness of God, I'm nothing. A vision of forgiveness, love, forgiven, purged, cleansed, and a vision of usefulness, go. We need that today. We need that vision. In the year Uzziah died, you're going through some things, some heartbreaks, some hurts, some difficulties. The year Uzziah died, during that difficult time of uncertainty, what did Isaiah do? He went to the temple. He went to seek the face of God. And that's the challenge that I want to give you because you'll never have the vision that we spoke about this morning until you come to seek the face of God. And it may be that the difficulty that you're facing right now is the very means that God wants to use in your life to do something beyond what you've ever dreamed of or ever imagined. May we go to the Lord this morning, every head bowed and every eye closed.